Thanks for listening to Reads and Weeds, where we smoke weed and talk about books. Today we are reading a whole play, so buckle up. It's a brand new debut play by Nathan Corliss. And please like, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell me where you're listening from and what you're reading. Thanks. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Shelly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reads and Weeds. Cannabis-friendly book club podcast uh, that's been on for over two years now. And um, today is a very special show. I'm Shelly Smith. I'm the host and producer, so follow, like, subscribe, all of that. We're on every streaming platform. Because we're actually reading a whole play today, I'm going to make some announcements and get some things out of the way up front and then turn this over to the author of the play, Nathan Corliss. So like you don't have to be a cannabis user to like listen to the show or listen to the play. It's just uh, where my cross section of interests are, just so you know. If you're interested in criminal justice reform in regards to cannabis convictions being expunged and prisoners being let out, the ways to get involved with that are lastprisonerproject.org. So that's one place you can go and get information about that. If you've seen on the internet, Michael Thompson was just released January 28th after 25 years, Last Prisoner Project and the um, Cannabis Caucus of the Michigan Democratic Party had a lot to do with sort of pushing that through. You can actually kind of get to know him if you listen to Jazz Cabbage Cafe this Tuesday. So that's Michael Thompson. We're also working on getting Rudy Gamo, who has been in jail for running a completely legal dispensary for, for a while now. And his son was just diagnosed with, can- with cancer. And um, Jason Samansky, who is on cannabis charges too. So Real quick, if you if you want to message me on Reads and Weeds and find out how you can get involved in that social action, then please let me know. Another thing I want to say up front is I know Nathan from the improv community in Southeast Michigan, and we um, met through a, a improv group that I was running at Ann Arbor Civic Theater, and we've been friends. He's been on a lot of these shows, these Reads and Weeds shows. We've done readings. It's been really fun. But one of our home clubs was Pointless Brewery and Improv, and it was started by Jason and Tori Tamalia. And it's right here in Ann Arbor area, and it was a whole big community of people really loved each other. Um, Tori was a wonderful influence in a lot of our lives, and she passed away this week. And um, it, was, it hit a lot of people really hard, and we just thought we would dedicate this show to her because... I really am just so excited about how much she was able to do in her short life. And she inspired a lot of people. I really want to just dedicate Nathan's, Nathan worked there and I'm sure he's, this is hitting him hard too. So I'm very excited to introduce Nathan Corliss, who's going to kind of take, take this from here. He has been on a lot of these shows. He, we read Hamlet. He's kind of directed the plays that we've read. And back in December, he shared this play with us. And we did a first reading and it went really well. So we wanted to see if we could do it with an audience. So thank you if you've tuned in and listening. So I'll hand it off to Nathan Corliss, who's the author of Three Sinners. He'll introduce the way things are going to go. Hello. Uh, I am the author of Three Sinners. This is a play that I wrote in about a week while my wife Robin was um, in quarantine because she had COVID. There she is. She's smoking weed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
good. Uh, On brand. Yeah, I. This play does involve the topic of cancer. My mom had cancer when I was a kid. She died when I was 12. Um, and that's definitely a piece of inspiration for this. Uh, I, it, it's very strange and it hits a little bit differently to, to be thinking about it um, after what's just happened um, to Tori. But- Same age as her kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was the age that her son now is. Uh, when my mom died. Yeah, I wrote this play not explicitly to process that part of my life, but because it's a thing that I think about. And there was another big piece of inspiration that hit me that I I would like to talk about after the play is over, if we want to do some like questions and answers from, I think people can type questions, right? Like audience on the Facebook lives. So I hope so. Anybody jump on there and yeah. <laughs> talk to each other. So yeah, I wrote this all at once, kind of. We did the reading, I did some revisions, um, and everyone who is playing the parts, including Shelley, are friends of mine, people that I've either worked with before or like live with or are very close friends with. And it's really nice to, to just be working with people that I, I care about and love. So yeah, I think that we can start, right? Uh, I don't know if there's anything else I wanted to say. Weed makes an appearance in the play, which I didn't, I wasn't thinking about Reeds and Weeds at the time, but I was just thinking like, yeah, this should be in the play. So uh, that's that's going to happen, which is cool. Ta-da! <laughs> and yeah, I would really like to um, hear comments and questions from audience members and, and talk at the end. Any actors or audience that doesn't want to stay for that, that's totally fine, but I'll be sticking around a little bit. Um, and I think that's the last you'll be hearing from me until it's over because I'm not reading the stage directions. I'm not reading any of these characters. I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for hosting this. Um, I'm going to turn off my camera. Uh, and Shelly, you can turn off your camera and. Oh, okay. And then we'll start and it will work. I've been remembering some of your words lately. It's a little like I'm hearing them for the first time, hearing them in a different way. You already know this, but I wasn't really listening most of the time, just pretending to. I thought that was my only option, didn't consider another way. Now I want to listen. I really want to understand this time. Is it too late? I thought it was enough to just love you. I do love you. I just don't behave the way you want me to behave. Maybe I don't want to feel controlled. I could say I'm sorry, but you know I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm not ashamed. And I'm afraid that makes me some kind of monster. You made it clear I'm supposed to feel shame if I want to be forgiven for my sin. Is there another way? Is there any other way? The scene shifts. And Sarah is at her mother's house. Her mother, Carol, is pouring herself a cup of coffee in the kitchen. Now, the doctor says I need to do twice as much chemo. 
I don't know if I want to do that, I said, but he insisted I would have the best chance that way. I just don't like what it does to me, you know, never felt less alive, but I suppose that's getting older, as they say, I think. Mom, I don't think you're supposed to drink coffee. Well, I'm not a Mormon, thank the Lord. I'm kidding. I know. The doctor said I'll get headaches if I drink coffee, but I get headaches if I don't drink coffee. You know, all things being equal, I should get to make my own choice, I think. I think there's a dehydration concern. Well, all I eat is soup, honey. I think I'll be fine on that account. Let me look it up. People these days do too much with those phones. I I like to know things. Can I teach you everything you need to know? I'm kidding. But you know, you can't trust what you read on the internet, as they say, I think. You've learned to figure out what's trustworthy and what's not. Oh, and how'd you get that idea into your head? I don't know, Mom. Exactly. You know there's only one thing you can be sure about, and that's the word. Mm -hmm. That's where your poor brother went wrong, I think. The day he told me he was listening to what other men said instead of the Lord, I knew what was going to happen. I told him, man is flawed. Only God can save us from that. I don't think it's that. I know. I know. I know. It starts out small. You see, you start to trust in some worldly device or other, and you don't even ask yourself, is this part of God's plan? When you're deceived... And you know, you don't know you're deceived, you see. That's what's so tragic. You think you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, Lord, I'm about to cry. You know you have to leave if I start crying. I don't like crying in front of people. But there's one way to know the truth, Sarah, to be certain. You know that. Talk to God. That's right. You know what God told me this very morning? I'm listening. He said, Sarah's going to be just fine. I was so grateful to hear that. Thank you, Mom. Oh, don't thank me. You know he loves you. Yeah, I do. So how's it going with you and James? It's fine. He's so much more your type than the last one, you know. (laughs) James and I aren't together, Mom. The last two, David and what was it, Blade? Blake, he was a piece of shit. Sarah. I'm sorry, mom. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know why you go with this people for months and then tell me about how terrible they are once you break up. Well, I suppose you get it from me, don't you? (laughs) I just want you to be okay, honey. I know. Oh, that reminds me. It's almost the end of the month, isn't it? Where'd I check book? Over there, I think. Thanks, Mom. Don't feel bad, honey. Who else am I going to spend it on? I have everything I need. And you know you're at the top of that list, Sarah. Thank you. I love you. I love you, too. End of scene. Scene two. Sarah is sitting at James's bar. James is behind the bar getting a customer cashed out on a tablet. There are three people sitting at a table nearby who seem to be on a date together. Uh, I don't know if this card has anything on it, actually. Is it okay if I pay with cash? 
It makes literally no difference on my end. Whatever's best for you. I don't know. This card probably has something on it. Uh, I was right. And that's for you. Thank you. Have a good night. It doesn't literally make no difference on your end, does it? Mm, I, I don't know. I feel like there was a double negative in that sentence. What were you trying to say? Shut up. Ouch. The only real difference is if she pays the tip in cash. I don't have to report it to the government. So why didn't you tell her that? <laughs> I'm serious. She's not going to tip at all if she thinks I'm trying to tell her what to do. Are you getting off now? I'm sorry, what? Are you getting off? Do you want to phrase that differently? I think it's pretty clear I'm talking about getting off of work and not- Okay, 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 keep it down. What? It's up to the thruple over there whether or not I get off. <laughs> James, I had no idea you were into that kind of lifestyle. Shut up. What would Jesus think? Okay, that's enough. Oh, sorry. I guess I'll just shut up. Can you imagine? It's hard enough trying to manage one relationship, right? Plus, they're all living in sin. Oh, so we're doing this now? I didn't actually say shut up. You said shut up two seconds ago. No, not literally two seconds, not. I obviously don't mean anything I'm saying. I'm sorry if I, I'm sorry that I did snap at you. I did not need to do that. It was unhelpful. How was that? It was pretty good. You are frustrating preaching to the choir <laughs> so to speak did the thruple leave yeah so 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 did they pay oh shit james runs from up behind the bar and out of the building excuse me excuse me sarah goes behind the bar and pours herself a drink james begins <laughs> What are you doing? Are you asking me what I'm doing? No, I'm asking what the fuck? I'm not sure how to interpret that question. You're not supposed to be back there. Oh, I wonder how I did it then. I don't know what you're trying to do. Are you teaching me a lesson? I'm the one misbehaving. Almost sounds like I need to be taught a lesson. Well, I already told you not to do what you're doing. Did you? I thought I did. I wonder what language it was in which you thought you said that. Can you just... Can I... Just... Please. All right. I guess that one's on me. The drink? Oh, no. I've got it. Wait, did they get away without paying? Not... Apparently they did pay like a half hour ago. I must have been distracted. You think they were telling the truth? I assume so. Oh no, we wouldn't want to assume anything, would we? Oh, you're right. <laughs> when you assume you make an ass. Yep, they paid. <laughs> make an ass. Stop it. 
say shut up, James. Just don't mean it. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. But you're not making any sense. To who? I think it's whom. Jesus. Careful. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. Nothing happened. Oh my God. Mary and Joseph. Damn. Hell. What else? Uh, Pontius Pilate. (laughs) Get over it. It just sticks with you, I guess. Dude, we broke up with Jesus years ago. Okay, I'm not going to be that guy that's an asshole to his ex. Be an asshole. That's easy for you to say. You shit on all your exes. Well, that's what an asshole does. (laughs) Sorry. I'm gross. What the hell is the matter? Don't yell at me. God damn it. (laughs) God damn Jesus. (laughs) Christ on a cross, holy Satan. Ooh, that one felt weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Guess it does stick with you a little, huh? <laughs> Woof. Hey, uh, how's your mom? Oh, fine. The same, just talks a lot. She still thinks you're- uh... Christian and everything, yeah. She really seems to. I'm not trying to lie to her, but. But you do. I just don't see the point in, I don't know. She thinks you are too. She keeps asking me if we're dating. Oh God. Do I have to be your fake boyfriend in front of your mom now? (laughs) No. I told her the truth about that. I mean. What? What? What were you going to say? She just likes you. I like her too, as far as old white ladies go, I guess. Yeah, it's just, she's pretty far gone, you know. She might say the same thing about you if she knew the truth. Thanks, that makes it easier. It's like, that's the only thing still keeping me from being a real atheist. I sometimes think, God, this is bad. I think when she dies, I'll finally be free of it. Are you sure about that? I'm not saying I want that. You know, she has cancer and I'm just aware that I'll finally be past all that religious stuff when she's gone. I just think it's probably not that simple, you know? No, it's not. It's like trying to unlearn a language, a a language that's woven into our daily lives by the way, whether or not we like it. it. It's even in the name of this building. I don't I don't know how to go back to seeing words like heavenly or salvation or geez, even something as innocuous as, as forgiveness without getting that little twinge, you know? What is that little twinge, fear? I was gonna say guilt. Oh, I'm so done with that feeling. And it definitely started with her. That look, that look she has, like she knows everything. That little head shake when she thinks I'm the one who doesn't get it. It's sad, honestly. She doesn't know shit. You know. 
if she had any idea we were even having this conversation, what do you think that would do to her? She'd probably just shake her head. Or maybe she'd finally see that none of her shit actually got through to me. Yeah, how would that do her any good? So what if it doesn't? What if I need it? <laughs> I'm such an asshole. If it helps, I don't think you're actually going to humiliate your mom. It's okay to have thoughts like this. They're just thoughts. Yeah, that's not what my mom would say. Or that televangelist creep that she listens to. All sin starts in the mind. Freaking nutcase. At least your mom isn't the one preaching all this stuff to other people who are just trying to find a place to belong. Nope, just to me. You know how much money my dad makes telling people what they're supposed to do? How they're supposed to think? You don't want to know. You're still letting him pay your rent. Well, I guess I'm going to hell then. <laughs> yeah, me too. It didn't feel weird to say that time. Takes practice. Hell's probably dope if people like us are going to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, when are you gonna get a job? Are you allowed to hire people? Here? Yeah, here. This is how you want to use your actuarial science degree? You know, what is an actuary, really? You know, I'm not actuary, sure. <laughs> I don't think it's actuary a real degree, so I should just work here. <laughs> I can't hire people. Seriously? You run this place. Actually. Actuary. Actuary. Howard came by last night and we hung out after closing. You hung out. He talked and I drank. Right. And he talked about retiring again. And this time he actually said the words, I'd have to get somebody to run this place. And that's you. I didn't say anything, but... No one else even works here. <laughs> that's that's not true. Name them. I want to say Amelie. <laughs> I want to go behind the bar again. Since you asked nicely. I don't recall asking. No. Do. Well, come with me. Show me what you do. Okay. Okay, so this pours the beer. I see you've already mastered that. And this is the thing. Oh, oh let me show you how uh, the tips work, right? So she paid with a card, which means her tip is gonna show up on the total sheet with the tip included. But not cash tips. Nope. How does the cash get recorded? Well, all the transactions get recorded, but you just click cash if it says cash. So there's no proof that you actually got the cash. Not until you count the drawer at the end of the day. And hopefully you find out you did everything you were supposed to do. <laughs> what are you thinking about? I don't know. That's not possible. I, I was just thinking about the polycule. The what? Polycule like molecule it's a it's a polyamorous thing so you really are into that <laughs> no I, I just heard about it like i said i i can't handle one relationship you know i know 
Ow. You said it. I'm just... Oh, yeah, okay. Heard. Shut up. I didn't mean it, Jesus. You are bombing this interview. I figured I could just use our relationship as an interview. Um, Friendship. Um, do you want to talk about... About what? Stuff. <laughs> so precise of you. Do you? Tell me what you're asking. You know. So let's talk about it. You want to go first? No. Stare at each other. End of scene. Scene three, a cancer support group. Several people sit in a circle of chairs, including Sarah, April, Twyla, Rod, and the facilitator. But as my dad always said, you got to dominate it. That was the first thing he said to me when I told him, Dad, I got cancer. Rod, you dominate it. That's all. Thank you. And lastly, Sarah. I'm Sarah. I got my diagnosis a couple months ago, uh, right after my mom died. I did my very first chemo treatment two days ago. Uh, it's just starting to wear off. I felt like shit. Oh. Am I not supposed to say that? Let's not. Okay. Well, it felt like poop. And not a good kind of poop. Just the worst kind of poop. And I absolutely do not want that poop in my life, but... <laughs> Sorry. Gross. Um, I wish I didn't have to do it again, but... Doctor's orders, that's all. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, this next topic might seem a little strange, but I'm going to ask that you really be honest with yourself, okay? What have you gained from this cancer experience? What good has come out of this? Twyla. I feel like I don't worry as much about things. You know, I don't sweat the small stuff, you know? And it makes me feel like, um, like you have to- Like you have to seize the day. Um, yeah, sort of more like- Like you haven't really been living until now and it took facing death to kick your ass in gear. All right, let's try to keep the language appropriate, Rob. Just saying. Well. Okay, no, it's it's not that it shouldn't have had to be fear, like fear of my own mortality. That changed me into the person I wanted to be. This is who you want to be. I'm sorry. Are you? Sorry? Right. Um, you have to appreciate it is all. Nothing has to change. I don't think I've changed. But I know if I don't appreciate my life as it is now, I never will. Thank you, Twyla. Let's raise our hands if we have something to say. Uh, April and then Rob. And then Sarah. Is it all right with the group if I get into some spirituality in a moment? Of course. Our faith can be a crucial part of how we live with this diagnosis. Is that all right with the group? So, for some context, has anyone here heard of the law of attraction? Okay, 
Um, I've heard of it, but that doesn't mean I think it's real. It's pretty silly, really. No offense. Um, it's like the that book, The Secret. Basically, if you think positively, then positive things will happen to you. If you think negatively, then negative things will happen. So it's not really about positive and negative? It's about denial, frankly. Um, there's a lot of reasons for the good and the bad things that happen to people. And more importantly, racial and economic factors. Um, the only things my feelings are going to change are um, my feelings. And that's why I want to feel good about my life right now, because I want to feel good. Not because I think it's the magic spell that will like cure my cancer. All right. Uh, who is next? Rod? Oh, I don't. I thought it was something else. But what was that? I, I didn't know she was talking about that law of attraction. I thought it was like, you know, like a different one. Ah, excuse me. May I continue with what I was planning to say? Sure. April, go ahead. I just mentioned the law of attraction to give a little context. You might be familiar with the idea that not only can you attract things that you want into your world, but you can repel things that you don't want out of your world. It's not supernatural. It's sort of a language that you learn. When it comes to cancer, though, it's not an external force entering into your space. It's you. Your cancer is you. It's your body behaving in ways that are self-destructive. So going inward is the only way I think I can address it. It's why I'm not doing chemo. Trying to attack it from the outside isn't... Um, I'm sorry. I don't think that it's okay to spread this kind of rhetoric in a support group. Well, I'm just... No. No, you can't believe whatever you want, but I mean, you can believe whatever you want, but when it gets in the way of appropriate medical care, I think we need to um, draw a line. I hear you, Twyla. April, you're not suggesting that others should take your advice, are you? If you can think your way out of cancer, then why not just do the chemo and then think your way out of feeling shitty? That's hedging your bets. You get better either way. Well, not everyone gets better. A small percentage of people actually die from chemotherapy. A large percentage. <laughs> We're not saying that you have to follow the advice of a medical professional. Um, but your choice in the matter should be determined by the facts of your... Um, your... Cancer kills you too. Like, why not... You don't get to make the rules, Rod. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, it... It's about time for a break anyway. Let's- I was going to say something earlier, but I can't, I can't, I didn't get to finish. Can I please say what I was just going to say? All right, all right, Twyla, everyone, let's let Twyla speak until she's done and then we'll take 10 minutes, all right? Everyone. And after the break, I'm next, right? I'm just saying. Twyla? All I was going to say is, was that I used to be so, so scared of airplanes. Um, ever since I found out that the bigger the airplane is, the more it relies on autopilot, which seems so crazy to me. All those people at the mercy of like a computer that doesn't even know what it is, who is, who is carrying, 
it could be chugging along the pilots not paying any attention and um it flies right into a um anyways i went on a vacation with my daughter i um get to see her more now that my ex-husband feels bad for me and we went on a plane and i just let it all go i spent quality time with my daughter on a plane I i'm sorry that was stupid i'm sorry thank you twyla we'll come back at 4 20. The group members stand up and start milling around. Sarah approaches April. Hello, uh, I'm Sarah. April. What are you in for? Cancer. Hey, me too. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you more about your experience. I feel like you didn't really get to say your whole thing. Well, things go the way they go. Oh, <laughs> from what you said, I, I think you want to control how things go. But as you established, I didn't actually say much. You're right. Look at me making an ass. Assumption. <laughs> maybe, you could ask, maybe you could ask me something instead. Do you really think you can cure your own cancer? Well, I don't think I can cure anyone else's. That's good. <laughs> you think you can do it too, if I tell you more about it. I don't know. I guess I'm open to anything. Not today. That was kind of a mood killer for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it happens. You want to give me your phone? Oh, okay. I'll take you to dinner tomorrow. I should be in a good place by then. Oh, wow. R really? Are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. I like the vibe I'm getting. And you just came up to me because you knew that's what you wanted to do, too. That's attractive. <laughs> well, why not? Did you put uh, your number in here? I matched you with me on OkCupid. I'll message you on there. Well, okay. Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? I'm decking out early. Just, uh, this was unexpected, but that's cool. You're cool, April. Thanks for being cool. Yep. <laughs> See you soon. Yep. April exits. Sarah is flustered but elated. End of scene. Scene four. Sarah is again on her knees speaking to someone who isn't there. Someone in group said the word spirituality today and my whole body tensed up. My first thought was that I had to get out of there, but I literally couldn't. I was frozen. And at the same time, I thought, that's absurd. I can't just run, bolt out of my seat in the middle of it. It's so stupid, isn't it? Obviously I didn't do anything. I just listened as if everything was totally normal, which of course it was just, someone asking openly and directly if they can talk about spirituality. I should have been grateful to get a warning for once, but she didn't talk about anything you ever said. It was like spirituality was just a word that meant something completely different to her. I, um, I approached her at the break. 
I wanted to hear what she had to say. I wanted to listen to her and she, I think she was flirting with me actually. And it felt good. The scene shifts and Sarah is at Carol's house sitting across from Carol. Have you been seeing James much, Sarah? Yes, mom. James says hi. He hopes you're doing well. You know, there might not be too much time left to give me grandkids, honey. If this cancer doesn't get me, something will. We're just friends, mom. I wouldn't want you to get your hopes up. Oh, I know true love when I see it. You just keep waiting and he'll come to you. And you know I have no problem with you marrying outside your race or anything like that. James is very civilized young man, educated, good manners, and a Christian by God. You sure don't see enough Christian young men these days. But the blacks, you know, there's more of them, I think. More Christian blacks, I mean. There's still more of us than them in the country, Lord. I'm kidding, honey. But you know, they shouldn't call them minorities anymore. They outnumber us two to one these days, I think. I'm not saying that's a problem. I just don't think use the word minorities the way they do these days. But that James is a good one. You know that. You just need to keep waiting for him to come around, all right? He'll come. I know he'll come. Mom, did you take all your medicine this morning? Well, so let me look at my little pill counter. No, Mom, let me get it for you. You sit down, young lady. I can still stand up on my lawn. Um, thank the Lord. Carol gets up and slowly walks to the kitchen. I tell you, if this cancer doesn't get me, something will soon. You know I always wanted grandkids. That brother of yours certainly isn't going to give them to me. Bobby does have kids, Mom, remember? And he's a doctor, you know, doing really well. Have you been talking to your brother, Sarah? No, Mom, not really. We're friends on Facebook. Facebook. Oh, Lord. Yep. I took them. Took all my pills. It's not about the grandkids. You know that, honey. I know. He gave up the faith. He gave up on us. Did he? Well, you know he did. It's probably all over that Facebook of his, after all. <laughs> Honor thy father and thy mother. That's the fourth commandment, I think, or the third, I think. Well, you don't need to honor your father, dear, at any rate, you know, I think. Or I don't know how I ever got so deceived by a sinner like your father. Doesn't the Bible also say that we should forgive all the sinners? Where'd you hear that? The Bible. I don't know about all that, honey. The preacher on TV just said this morning... The Bible tells children to obey their parents. Now, I never asked all that much of you because I know people can abuse that kind of power, you know. All I ask is that you stay true to God. Stay true to your mother. And give me grandkids. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I was given an idea this morning regarding James' father. I was watching the man on TV and God told me Jesus' father should make a television program just like that. Well-spoken, upstanding black men, 
the television, spreading the word. It would do wonderful things for them, I think. James' parents are still married? Yes. Yes. Good. Good. You know, after your father did what he did, I still wasn't going to kick him out. Even though I had every right to. That was his choice to leave, you know. Was it Bobby's choice to leave? I told you. I told you both, didn't I? Control yourself. Right after your father left us, I said, let this be a lesson that you're going to be tempted just like your father was. And you see what happens when you don't control yourself. I said, I think you really listened when I said that. I think you really did. Bobby. Bobby didn't listen to me. And I knew it even then. I always knew what's going to happen. And I try to tell you. I know what's going to happen. I see it happening. I try to tell you. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's okay, Mom. I hear you. Sarah, what's wrong? Why do you look like that? What do you mean? Why do you look like that? Mom, are you feeling okay? Here, let's take it easy on the coffee right now. Sarah, what's wrong? Why do you, what are you going to do, Sarah? I don't know what you're thinking. It's okay, mom. It's okay. You need you don't to tell me out. what I need to do. You, you need to leave right now. Okay. I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm just fine. Now leave me alone. I said, I want to be alone. Okay. That's okay, mom. I hear you. Sarah gets her things and walks to the door. Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. Me too. Sarah exits. Carol cries. End of scene. Scene five. April and Sarah are having dinner at a nice restaurant. What is actuarial science? The science of uncertainty. Ooh, say more. <laughs> People want to assume life is going to follow a predictable path, but obviously things happen unpredictably that fuck everything up. Obviously. <laughs> like cancer, right? Mm -hmm. As an actuary, you try to take that uncertainty and make it as certain as you can with math and probability and all sorts of shit so that everybody else can get on with their business as usual and not worry about all the uncertainty in the universe. <laughs> and you like doing that. I have an actuary done it, actually. Uh, do you like being a botanist? I do. You're not going to say more, are you? I wasn't planning to, but anything can happen, right? <laughs> this is really nice. It feels like... Like what? I, it just feels nice to be here. I haven't been to a nice place in a while. Well, I decided not to take you to the dive bar where I usually spend my time these days. <laughs> Should I get another drink? It's your body. Well, I don't have liver cancer, do I? <laughs> no, I should control myself. Hmm. Interesting choice of words. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, something about what you said in the group really affected me but I don't really know any more than that 
Yes, I know what you mean. And I think I can help you understand your reaction better if you want. Okay, uh, yes. Think about the moment you felt affected, whatever it was. You said your cancer is you. Mm -hmm. What happened in your body when I said that? A release. What released? Tension. Tension that I felt as soon as you said spirituality. Ah, so that's another moment that affected. Yeah, but I already understand what that reaction was. The moment you said the cancer is me, I felt the pressure of... Of what? The pressure of convincing God to heal me was gone. But another thing I felt was a little jolt, a little shock. Like, you weren't supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say you can heal your own cancer because what about all the people that don't? They just didn't try hard enough? I wouldn't say that. But didn't you, kind of? I just shared my own experience. But why share that in a group of people who are probably going to take offense to it? Why say anything? If I hadn't said anything, we wouldn't be here. Okay, but, but you didn't know that. I felt like I should say it and I'm glad I did. I guess I don't trust my intuition as fully as you do. A lot of people aren't, and a lot of people don't believe they can control their bodies the way I do. I'm sorry, but um, can you be more explicit about what exactly you do to control your body? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't want to, but it's, it's an entire language that I only speak with myself, and... Even if you tried to learn it, it's not going to be the language you speak with yourself. All I can say is that if you want to speak to your body, you start by listening to it. Trust that everything you feel means something. When you think you're getting an idea of the language of your body, start talking back. It sounds like you think of myself and my body as two separate things. It's a relationship. You know how relationships work. Does anybody? <laughs> you teach people how to treat you, and that includes yourself. Huh. And you're in a relationship with yourself. Whether it's healthy or not, the connection is always there. Like family. <laughs> no, you can choose to end relationships with family. The only way to end the relationship with you is if you die. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sure it feels like that with some relatives, doesn't it? <laughs> did, I, did I say something wrong? No, no. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, oh. He waves to the waitress who doesn't excuse, notice. Excuse me. The waitress approaches the table. Hi, how is everything? Oh, great. Uh, could I get another glass of the same, please? Thank you. Of course. Thank you. And are you all right? I'm great. Uh, in the bill, please. I'll be right back with that.
Are you close with your parents? Well, I was never close with my father. They got divorced. I wasn't able to see him much. And um, uh, let's let's not talk about it. You don't want to. Okay. Right. Sorry. I'm I'm right that you don't want to talk about it. Okay. You know, I liked the way you spoke up to that guy in the group yesterday. Oh? You called him out. It was, it was bold. Maybe a little. And I liked that you approached me at the break. Well, I was feeling bold. Well, I like bold women. I don't know if I'd say I'm a bold woman. I've been bold, but... Everyone is sometimes, right? We're all capable of all the same behaviors. It's just the balance is different for everybody, right? I've done some really bad things. I just, I, I wish I could just cut out of my history, you know, because I'm not like that or I don't want to think of myself like that. Do you want to think of yourself as bold? Definitely, sometimes. So what brought it out in you yesterday? something about men being assholes kind of triggers it honestly <laughs> you want to put them in their place maybe a little but it's not like I can fix them all and it's not like I fixed Rod either you can't make anybody change by being mean to them and I don't think I'm being mean I think it's more playful playful I like that <laughs> but either way you can't change people no I guess you can help people change, help them grow, but only if they want to. Consent is important. So you think your body consents to being bossed around by your brain? We're the same person, body, mind, soul, harmony. You were just talking about it like they're different. It's a nice little life hack. If I need to think about things as if they're separate, I do. If I need to think about them as if they're whole, I do, because I'm in control. That just sounds like you're making that up. And? <laughs> you make your own rules, don't you? <laughs> God, that sounded corny. <laughs> it, was, it was hot until you backed off. I can't tell if you're kidding. I don't think that's true. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. You're so cool. Don't you ever get worried or anxious or scared? Yes. I don't like to show that to anybody besides myself. But yes, Sarah, I get scared. I get very, very scared. I'm sorry. April touches her hand. Don't be. The waitress approaches with a glass of wine and sets it on the table along with the bill, then leaves. You want to see me again? Sure, yes. You want to see my place? Okay. Good, soon. But for now, I think I need to go back to my lair to spend the night alone. <laughs> 
I guess I'll have to drink this wine all by myself. There she is. Who? You know who. End of scene. Scene six, the brewing area of the bar. James and Sarah are looking into a keg of beer that is brewing. What's the next step? The next step is we wait. The yeast metabolizes the grain. We're not part of that process. When you say it metabolizes. It essentially eats the grain and poops out alcohol. <laughs> like how honey is bee poop. Beer is yeast poop. Delicious, delicious poop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're looking the keg. James typed on his phone. Huh. They don't even know. They don't know. They just, they're just doing what they think is right. And we're going to get all the benefits, blissfully ignorant yeast, like a hamster in a wheel powering a computer. Sarah looks at James. James tries to hide the fact that he was typing on his phone. What? Like a hamster powering a computer. You know what I'm talking about. I do? Yes. Come on, don't be like that. Okay, whatever. What were you doing on your phone there, buddy? Nothing. You know, it kind of pisses me off when you pretend that I'm not making sense to you because you know, I know I do. But you don't play along because what? You don't want to look silly? There's nobody to look silly in front of. I'm just making sure we're on the same page. You can just assume we are. No. When you assume, you make an ass. So make an ass. You're acting so careful. It's not even, it's not real. You're making it look like you're oh so considerate and oh so precise and you couldn't possibly assume you know what somebody wants until they say it the way people are supposed to say it. Why are you yelling at me? You know why I'm yelling at you. That's my fucking point. You're the one who's always getting on my case about being literal all the time. <sighs> because we're playing and I'm making fun of you. Can you please stop yelling at me? Make me. I'm not gonna make you. I'd like to see you try. Nobody can make anybody do anything. Uh -huh. I said, I'd like to see you try. Can we just? What? You don't have to. What? Finish your own sentences. You can't always expect me to finish them for you. I don't expect you to. Sarah. God damn it. I really thought you were going to finish that one. What are we doing? You tell me. What are you doing? I already told you. Well, I didn't catch it. Okay. I'm just going to try again. Sarah grabs onto the keg of beer. If I throw this all over the floor right now, what will happen? You're not going to do that. I didn't ask you that. I don't, I don't understand what you're asking me. Try. If you threw the wart all over the floor, then the batch would be ruined. I'd have to start over. And I wouldn't like that. It would make me less interested in trying to understand you because of how mad I'd be. What would the yeast do? The yeast? 
would keep metabolizing the sugar as long as it could. It wouldn't know that it was on the floor. It wouldn't know. It, it wouldn't know that it had become utterly useless to me because it doesn't care about me. It's just doing what it's supposed to do, what it's programmed to do. Sarah lets go of the keg and walks up to James. She gets very close. Am I making you uncomfortable? Um, yes. Because I'm so close. I don't know. Try. He turns and walks away from her. Sarah walks back to the keg. Sarah. Yes. What do you want? Why did you hide your phone earlier? I met a girl on OkCupid. I didn't feel like telling you about it yet. Why not? Because it's new. There might be nothing. I don't want to. You don't want to what? To make you. Sarah is furiously waiting for him to keep talking. Suddenly, Sarah tips the keg forward, but just holds on to it. Don't. You want me to leave? I should. Sarah puts the keg upright and lets go of it. That is the stupidest thing you could have possibly said, isn't it? Try again. I'm uncomfortable. And? I'm confused. How can I help? Put all this into words that I can understand. Words that you can understand? Words that I'm used to. You're sounding stupid again. Stop calling me stupid. Okay, what word would you choose? Boring. I'm sounding boring again. So you agree? Yes, I'm boring. When? When? When are you boring? When I'm doing things that I already understand. When I'm, I'm doing things that I'm supposed to, doing things just because I'm supposed to, like, like you asking to be, asking you to be more precise as if it's better to be more precise, as if I can't understand what you're saying unless you're saying it normally or predictably or boringly, pretending I don't know what you mean when I know what you mean and I know what you want and you want. Sarah walks closer to him. Finish. But what if you don't? I do. Why are you making me say it? I'm not making you do anything. Why can't you say it? I've been trying to say it. You're pretending not to hear it. So why don't you do something? You do something. I can't. I'm not there. I guess I'm not worth growing for. Why would you say that? This isn't going to work. The job or us? What are we doing? I think we're both hoping that we can be the right person for each other. But something's missing. 
something's not connecting. Do you even know what it is? Do you? No. But if it was there, I think we'd... Finish that sentence. You already beat me to it. I don't want to lose you as a friend. Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. I'd like to make sure it doesn't. Let's just wait for the yeast. Give us some time to think. It takes like eight days. Oh, Jesus, fuck, really? End of scene. Scene seven. April's garden. April is her garden. Squash, corn, beans. The squash leaves spread out over the soil. Keeps it dark and moist down there. It makes it harder for weeds to take over. The corn gives the beans a perfect place to climb up and get, get to the sunlight. That also makes it easier for the corn to resist the wind. And finally, the beans give nitrogen to that damp, dark soil. Makes everything healthier. Uh, if I had just one of these in my garden, it could probably take care of itself. Two of them working together makes everything easier. And all three makes the garden harmonious. Where did you learn all that? The Native Americans. They understood how everything in nature was already in balance figured out how to manipulate that balance to get what they wanted and nature couldn't tell the difference. They knew how to control something without breaking it. They did it for thousands of years. Well, until, well, white people came over here and saw how great the land was thanks to the natives and then. They're beautiful. They're called the three, <laughs> well, they're normally called the three sisters. It's not what you call them? I call them my three sinners. <laughs> Why? Well, they're supporting each other and understanding the natural world is a big part of Satanism. Sorry, uh-huh. Satanism. Did I not mention I was a Satanist? Okay, I, I honestly don't know if you're kidding right now. I'm not kidding. I'm a Satanist. I still truly don't know if you're kidding. Okay. I kind of wonder how many times I need to say it. Why would you be a Satanist? Well, there are a lot of reasons. Not being Christian is one. <laughs> oh my God, I still can't tell if you're kidding. Can I say, oh my God? It's, it's fine. You don't know much about Satanism. It's not actually about, you know, worshiping Satan. I don't believe in Satan or God or anything like that. I believe in the world around me because it's here. I see how it works. I see how it survives and grows and balances. And I apply that to my own life. My church is very pagan and a little more loose and free form than some other satanic churches, but it is Satanism. 
You still don't know if I'm kidding. I'm just going to look it up. No, don't. First, I want you to ask yourself why you're feeling what you're feeling. I guess I just can't wrap my head around. You don't have to tell me. I want you to tell yourself. Yeah, of course. Of course. You're not some kind of monster. You just identify in a way that I don't know about yet. And you're sharing your spiritual identity with me. I'm open to listening. Do you have any questions? You said you don't believe in God. No, I do believe in magic, though. It's just, you keep saying these things with this deadpan seriousness and- Does that make it harder to take it seriously? Somehow, yes. What is magic to a Satanist? Well, most churches look at the world in a purely scientific way. Like I said, my church is a little more pagan than most. That's what I like about it. What do you mean when you say you believe in magic? Hmm. Magic is just when you use the mechanisms of the world, the systems and functions that already exist. You use them to get what you want. That doesn't sound like magic magic though. And you don't need to call it that, but it's right here. It's a magic garden. <laughs> Gardening is magic. The plants are growing because I want them to. Even though most of the work is being done by the plants, I take their natural processes and put them in my garden. I make sure they get sun and water. I remove weeds. I introduce the three sinners to each other. I'm just manipulating them. Phrasing it like that makes it sound evil. Ooh, like Satan? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. Do you want some weed? <laughs> I've got cancer. You think I'm going to say no? <laughs> Did you think? Sorry, Sarah. Maggie of marijuana and a pipe from her purse and begins to pack the bowl. Did you think of this because I said weeds a second ago? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe I manipulated you and you didn't even know it. Don't put ideas in my head. <laughs> Isn't that called communicating? Sarah the pipe to April and gets out a lighter. April puts the pipe in her mouth. No. Communicating is when one person talks at another person for an hour and the other person nods and says, okay. What? <laughs> Don't listen to me. I'm already high. I had an edible after dinner. You're a pro, huh? Not really. I just started a couple months ago, right before I got the cancer diagnosis. Before the diagnosis, did you wait until your symptoms got bad to see a doctor? No, I didn't have any symptoms. None whatsoever. I started smoking weed because my mom just died. She died of cancer, actually. And then right after that, I decided to get checked out just out of paranoia, I guess. Must have been all that weed. <laughs> no, 
it was like I had this stupid idea that I'd be free from her when she was gone you know but it's just the opposite it's like I can feel her watching me all the time like she isn't letting go but I guess it's really me who won't let go because it's not like she can do anything now anyway I had this horrible indescribable feeling after she died and it felt like there was something in my being that did not belong there at all part of me thought it was my mother's ghost but something my mom's doctor said her oncologist said something to me when she died and it kind of stuck with me somehow I don't even know what it was but I started to wonder if I was going to get it too cancer is genetic you know and so I asked her oncologist to check me for anything and it turns out yeah. I also keep having this feeling when I, I still have this habit sort of, sort of praying a lot more recently. I don't know. Maybe I'll save it for now. You'll probably hear about it in the support group. I'm not going back. No? Nope. <laughs> Why not? I tried it. It's not for me. Still glad I tried it, though. This is good weed. What makes a weed a weed? Like, what makes <laughs> a weed a weed and not a non-weed? <laughs> it's just a name. We decide what a weed is when we want to. What? <laughs> goes to the garden, finds a weed, and pulls it out of the ground. This is a weed because I don't <laughs> want it in my garden. So it's just made up. And? <laughs> Why don't you want it in your garden? Because I'm trying to grow other things. But is the weed, like, bad? <laughs> this, I believe, this, I believe, is garlic mustard. He crushes a leaf and smells it. Yeah, see? He holds the leaf up to see. And by see, I mean smell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Smells like garlic. Yeah. They use this in pesto, salad dressing. If it was growing somewhere else, it might do a lot of good. But my Native American sinners live here don't want these colonists creeping in, taking their land, and giving them smallpox. That's a joke. <laughs> the smallpox, yes. <laughs> There's no place for them in my garden, but that doesn't mean they're bad. They're just not what I want, and that makes them weeds. Did they decide to call it weed because they didn't want us to smoke it? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't want black people to smoke it. They didn't want black people at all. Black people are just weeds to them. <laughs> That's so fucked up. I dated a black guy. No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we totally dated. We just never said it out loud, but then we broke up. How do you break up when you're not dating? Well, we did, but we were still friends, but then we really broke up because I tried to talk to him like a real person and he just 
Sorry. Sorry, did you finish your sentence? You know, we drifted apart. Nobody's fault. Mm, huh. I have issues with relationships. I know. He was my best friend. And I haven't even told him about my cancer. Isn't that fucked up? I'm trying to open up to you here. I didn't ask you to open up. April. Jesus, rude. Some people would consider it rude to talk about your troubles without being sure others want to hear them. Who, rude people? Satanists. Never mind then. You could ask. No, you've made yourself clear. Sarah. What? You could ask. So you can say no? Why, is that scary? It's not scary. Yes, it is. But keep in mind that you already know I like you, Sarah. April, do you want to hear about my relationship problems? Let me think about it. Yes, go right ahead. Thank you for asking. <laughs> okay. Now I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's okay too. I feel like, I don't want to put this on you, but I feel like you know what you want in a relationship. And that's really inspiring. I don't think I've ever known what I want out of any relationship. What do you think I want? I don't know, <laughs> but it seems like you do. Well, my dream is to have, my dream is to have a triad, but I don't try to make that happen anymore. It just never went well. Is a triad like a threesome? It's a, it's a relation, it's a relationship. Like a polycule. That's right. But you're not saying you need that to be happy. No, just, just that I've always wanted it. You, you can talk now. Okay, here we go. Uh, should I start with my mother? my brother or the guy I didn't date? <laughs> uh, mother. I was afraid you'd say that. Let's, let's do mother last. Okay. Brother first. Uh, boyfriend it is. <laughs> Not a boyfriend though. Right. His name's James. James? Yeah. Oh. He runs a well, he doesn't own it, but he basically runs this little brewery downtown called the Heavenly Heavenly Hop. Hop? Oh. <laughs> End of scene. Scene eight. James is sitting on April's couch. He is nervous. April walks in and hands him a bottle of beer, then sits on the couch with him. Thanks. Pleasure. This is a nice place. So you like what you see? Um, you tell me how you feel. I don't meet people on dating apps just to pretend we don't know our intentions. Oh? What are your intentions? 
I like to experience chemistry and biology. Science nerd in high school, huh? <laughs> I was a goth burnout in high school, almost a dropout. What were you like in high school? Pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> oh my God, this is my favorite Michigan microbrewery. My cherry chocolate stout is essentially me trying to make this exact beer. I love it. Thank you. My pleasure. Setting the bar high for romantic gestures. Pressure's on. I don't have any expectations of you, James. Is that a compliment? It's, it's not about you at all. I'm, it's, it's just where I'm coming from. Well, come on. Everybody has expectations. Oh, tell me more about me. I didn't mean it that way. I, I just think when you enter any situation, you always have some kind of hope for how it will turn out. Maybe that's different from an expectation, but. There's absolutely a difference between hope and expectation. There's also a difference between hope and want. There are always things I want. Doesn't mean I have hopes, certainly not expectations. I can see how there's a difference, yeah. Hope seems like the most harmless option. Most harmless, sure. Not the most effective. What do you do when you want something? I try to get it, make it happen. But what if someone else doesn't want it to happen? Then you learn something. Huh. You don't like that? No, if I'm being honest. Interesting. Let's say, hypothetically, I want to kiss you. I could just go for it right now and maybe I'd learn something, but I'd also push you away, which I don't want. You're not going to do that. Because I'm thinking about more than what, just what I want. It's also not the right time, and you know that. I try very hard to think about things from different angles. Are you assuming that I don't do that? I'm not assuming anything. Trying to get what you want can look like a lot of different things. I don't like the idea that every time you want something, you think you should just try to make it happen. I mean, you just mentioned intentions. Right? As in when some you meet someone on a dating app, your intentions are... Obvious. So shouldn't you be trying to kiss me right now? I am. I guess I'm kind of blowing it on. You want to continue blowing it or turn it around? I'm glad you said that. And I shouldn't have reacted the way I did to what you said. I made some assumptions about you and I was wrong, I'm sorry. You make it sound like you've injured me somehow. I'm a little tougher than that, James. You've got a weird way of being nice. <laughs> I mean, you are nice. 
you really are, but it's like, it's not in the way you're supposed to be nice. I like what you've got going on. Good. You seem like you've got... What? Like I've got it all figured out? Well, surely not all of it. Surely not. But I've got, I've got some damn good stuff figured out. I've got some baggage. It's not a sin to have baggage. Yeah. You want to tell me about it? I want to listen. And if that changes, I'll let you know as soon as it does. Most of it is because of something that happened. Something that I did in high school. I try not to think about it much. Well, I don't talk about it much. I hear you. The offer's still on the table. And if it helps, I'll tell you when some baggage, I'll, I'll tell you some baggage of mine first. Yeah. But what if you tell me yours and I still don't want- No expectations. Right. Just hope. Want. You want me to tell you. Yeah, hope feels nicer to say, less imposing, less of an obligation. Do you think you're obligated to give me something just because I want it? Or is it because I expressed that I want it? I used to think that was the sin, expressing what I want. I knew that I was going to have desires. I could forgive myself for that. But if I said them out loud, that's when I, I became a problem. That's what made me the bad guy. I don't have any intention of thinking that way anymore. It led me to some bad behavior in the past. Listen, I want to tell, I want you to tell me about your baggage. I hope you can handle that and make your own voices like an adult. Okay. What do you want? I want you to tell me about your baggage. With no expectations. With no expectations. Basically, I've been a cheater, a lot, for a long time. I had boyfriends and girlfriends and I cheated on every one of them. You don't seem ashamed. I try not to be, shame isn't useful, <laughs> but I am. I would take it back if I could, which I don't say lightly. It was unacceptable. There's something about the way you say things so sincerely that... Makes it sound insincere? <laughs> I'd say that's your problem, not mine. You are so interesting. Are you going to kiss me yet? Not yet. You ready to talk about your baggage? Not yet. 
I wasn't, I wasn't just a cheater. I was a liar. That's what I truly feel ashamed about. The cheating didn't really feel like it was wrong, but every time I had to lie about it. Why did you do it? Sex is just one way to connect with somebody. A connection can start with anything, catching someone's eye in a crowded room or swiping right on someone's picture, equally valid. You never know for sure how that connection might shift, expand, contract. I set my own boundaries in every relationship, every connection, every interaction. I'm not going to let another person tell me where my boundaries need to be. But I used to let, I, I used to let people think, I used to let people think they could set those boundaries for me. I cheated because I knew all along that I wasn't monogamous. I lied because I thought I was supposed to be. I didn't think there was another option. I don't do that anymore. Don't cheat or don't lie. I don't lie. That's... And as a result, I haven't cheated since I stopped lying. That's, that's what? It's just hard to believe that you don't lie. <laughs> I've heard that before, actually. Where do you draw the line of what counts as lying and what doesn't? Anything that's, a, anything that's a lie counts as lying. Well, there are white lies. Those are lies, yep. Lies of omission. Meaning what? Like not telling someone the whole truth and then they think something that's not true. How is that a lie? Well, it's not total honesty. I keep things to myself. When I speak, I speak the truth. Wow. I didn't think it would be so easy, but it really is. I just don't say things that I know aren't true. When did you decide never to lie? <laughs> New development. A lot of what you see now is not who I was a year ago. Listen, when I used to lie, I would use it to try to take control of other people without their consent. I was afraid of their ideas about me and their stories about my actions and intentions and trying to control all of that. It's, it's so complicated. It's so unreliable and it doesn't feel good. I ultimately realized that the only person I should expect to control is myself. I can control everything that goes in and out of my self food, drugs, lies, it's all under my control. Other people, I can give them suggestions, offers, temptation, pressure, demands. But if I forget that they're the ones in control of their own selves, 
that's called Having Expectations. James kisses April. You did that. Did you like it? I did. April kisses James. You did that one, I think. <laughs> I did. All right, I'm ready to talk. You've forced it out of me. Liar. I have some guilt about sex. Oh, I didn't realize we had sex. That's funny. My high school girlfriend agreed we weren't going to have sex because we were both Christians. But we kept doing other things, uh, really intimate sexual moments, you know? I hear you. I felt all this shame and confusion every time we did something. I finally talked about it and she told me it was all fine because it wasn't really sex. I got kind of upset and I asked why she thinks what we were doing is fine, but that one specific kind of sex is not okay. What did she say? She broke up with me. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's just funny to me. I know it's painful for you and I, I can respect that. Right. Okay. Um, anyway, then she told all of our Christian friends that I was trying to pressure her into having premarital sex. And she didn't tell them any of the stuff that we had been doing. I almost wanted to tell everybody the whole truth, but I don't want to do that to her. I said the wrong thing and she didn't understand. That's not her fault. I was, I was too ashamed to tell anybody anyway. After that, Everyone thought of me as like a bad Christian. I guess I always kind of was. Are you now? Well, I'm, I'm not really a Christian anymore. Not really? I'm not. I just, I feel like it's following me around. You, you don't have to let it in. It's not that easy. Didn't say it was easy, but it's possible. I haven't kissed anybody in a long time. I mean, I've kissed people, but I don't initiate. And I have this friend, friend with benefits. Don't worry, there are no benefits at the present time. I wouldn't be worried if there were. Not monogamous, right. I just hope we can all talk to each other about what the deal is. There's no deal. We're not really hanging out or speaking right now. Oh. We had a big fight. What was it about? Yeast, I think. <laughs> no, it was about 
I wasn't telling her the whole truth and I wasn't listening to what she was trying to tell me. Do you always blame yourself for how people react to you? Do you always psychoanalyze guys on first dates? Girls too. Right. I wasn't expecting to get this deep into stuff. I wasn't expecting it either. Is it okay? I'm into it. Do you want to hear about the girl? Not really, but I'm willing to listen if you'd like to talk about her. Maybe another time. If you want. But let's, let's keep getting into the deep stuff. Feels good. Even if it's uncomfortable? I'll tell you if I want to stop. Good. I'm just wondering if you usually blame yourself for stuff like this. Like what? Like this, the thing you just did when you told me, when you told me both of those stories just now. You can only control yourself, right? What's the point in blaming other people? There's nothing controlling about telling someone they're wrong. People could take it as controlling. Okay. April, do you care what other people think of you? Yes, but if you're asking if I worry about what people think of me, I think you know the answer to that. So you never adjust your behavior for the sake of making other people comfortable? Of course I do, but I don't do it out of fear. Not anymore. But you still do it. What I do doesn't matter nearly as much as why and how I do it. What? Of course it matters what you do. Did it matter that you and your girlfriend didn't actually have sex? I guess not. Not unless God was watching. If there is no God, should you judge yourself for the things you do? Should you judge yourself for your intentions? People judge me on my actions. Can you control that? I can control my actions. Do you want to? Sometimes. People have been hurt by the things I did, not the intentions I had. I don't want to hurt people. Good. So my intentions don't matter. You just said you don't intend to hurt people. That matters. But intentions don't always come out the right way. You have to get better. You should always be trying to. Trying to grow. Yes. You have a responsibility to become a better and better person. That's what we're here to do. The growth happens from the inside, not the outside. You should be focused on nurturing your intentions, not your actions. Rest will come in time. But what about in the meantime? It's okay if people get hurt because of our actions as long as you're nurturing your intentions? Yes. Do you want me to stop? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why? I just am. Why? I yelled at you. I didn't feel yelled at. 
Well, I yelled anyway. Did you intend to hurt me? No. Did I get hurt? No. Jesus. I mean, not Jesus, but man. <laughs> Woman, human. Being. Oh, my being. Good Lord. Good person. Good human. Did we just have our first fight? Depends on your definition, right? It went a hell of a lot better than the fight I just had. Are you, are you okay? That's a nice thing to ask. It's not like me, I know. Always trying new things. You asked me if I wanted you to stop too. Yeah. I wish you didn't have to. I didn't have to, but I wish you'd asked first. You said you would. Me too. You'll have to uh, train me a little bit more. I'd like that if you're open to it. I'd also like to train you out of the habit of saying sorry. Are you being serious? I'm being serious. How would you train me? <laughs> There's lots of options. Some people respond to being humiliated. Mm, that doesn't work for me. Mm, I thought so. Sounds like there's a story there. For another time. No expectations. I could just hit you every time you say sorry. Hit me? Not hard. Unless you want it hard. Let's say on the thigh. Want to try? No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. April extends a hand and James shakes it. <laughs> Every time I say it, whether or not I mean it. Every time you say it is what I said. So I can just say sorry with no context. April hits him on the thigh. <laughs> okay. I'm into it. I was okay. I think an arm would be okay too. Okay. Sorry. April hits James on the arm. Weirdly into this. I shouldn't say weirdly. Sorry. April hits James on the other arm. He gets. We're expecting that one. You're going to be sorry you did that. As James leans over to kiss April, she hits him on the butt. They kiss. <laughs> I can agree to the butt. Sorry about that. Hey. I can say sorry as much as I want. As if you would. <laughs> they continue kissing for a moment. Two things. First, how did you get to be so unapologetic? Did something happen or was it a gradual thing? What's the second thing? I think I could take a slap in the face. Noted. So, what about the first thing? I feel like you're keeping a secret. There is something I'm keeping to myself for now. Oh? 
It's just that I think talking about it can somehow ruin the magic. Sorry, I asked. April slapped him in the face. James liked it. Don't be. They kiss again. And <gasps> Scene nine, Bobby's house. Pictures of Bobby, his husband, and his kids are visible. Sarah and Bobby are each drinking a beer. I love these pictures. I know, you loved them on Facebook. I'm just saying, it's nice to see them and to see you in person. To what do I owe the pleasure? Well, there's no way to, there's no easy way to say it, obviously. Mom is dying. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Cancer. And as a doctor, you might know that cancer can be a bad thing. So this is why you came into my home after 10 years? Yes. Well, please get out. Come back when you care about talking to me. Bobby. Go on. If there's a chance that she'll forgive you, not that you need her forgiveness, but what if she needs it? That doesn't matter to me. Do you understand that? I left the church too, five years ago, and it was five years too late. This isn't me trying to save your soul. No, of course not. It's about moms. Well, I mean, if there is a soul. I'm not going to talk to you about whether or not there is a soul, Sarah. It makes no difference. How could it not? Maybe she's right, at least about that, and the only way for her to find peace. She is dead to me. Do you know what that means? Do you understand that I don't need to hear any of this? If you wanna to talk to me, stop talking about mom. I have nothing to do with her finding peace, which is how I want it to be. Do you get it? I want all of us to find peace. Look around. I found it. I'm not seeing it. That is probably the stupidest thing you've said so far. <laughs> Sarah starts grabbing her stuff to leave. Okay. If you can't control yourself. Control myself? I knew this was going to happen. You are a hostile, vindictive person, and I knew it was going to go exactly like this. I told myself. You don't know what I'm like. You've barely talked to me for 10 years. You think I'm like this all the time? You think I'm like this with my husband? With my kids? This is what I turn into when I open my home to my sister for the first time and I find out that the only reason she is here is because of a person who I have removed absolutely from my world, from my soul. And when I try to tell you that, every single response you give me is about her. And you tell me to control myself. You don't know me. I still remember the day mom told us that dad had left. And instead of trying to comfort us, she tried to teach us a lesson. Do you remember that? Do you remember what she said? She said, in this life, you're going to be tested. And if you don't control yourself, you'll be swallowed up by sin like dad was. What a fucked up image to give your kids. She dropped the news on us that we were never going to see him again and then implied 
that the reason for that was because he literally got swallowed up into hell. I was afraid you might actually have believed that was what happened. But I didn't dare tell you that dad wasn't in hell, that he had run off with his girlfriend who I had already known about for about three months because I knew you'd tell mom everything I told you. And at 17, I was still afraid of getting in trouble because that, getting in trouble for doing what you weren't supposed to do, that is the scariest thing in the world for a kid who grows up Christian. Do you know how long I knew I was gay? Do you know how long I actually tried to force myself to stop thinking about what I already knew? Because even thinking about it, that would be a sin. And no, I wasn't afraid of being swallowed up on the spot. I was afraid of the rest of my life. I was afraid to lose my way, lose her way, and end up acting on those thoughts, end up living as a gay man. I was afraid of this. So I punished myself, even though there was nothing wrong with me, because this would not get me into heaven. Even if it would make me happy for the rest of my life, make me a better person, a person who doesn't treat people the way I treated you just now, who loves people, gives them a chance, opens his home up to them, forgives them. None of that ever mattered to her because I was a sinner. And she knew I wasn't going to ask for forgiveness from her or from God. And then that was it, poof, I was out of her life out of her world like a shit in her toilet. So no, Sarah, I'm not hostile, vindictive person. I'll ask you to believe me when I tell you I'm a kind, loving, forgiving person. But you can't forgive everyone. It's literally impossible. My world can never be as wide as the real world, neither could hers neither can yours. That's why we come up with ideas like the sinners or the queers or the fuck boys, bad guys, monsters, people who don't belong in your paradise. We have to do it. We have to push them out of our worlds. It's necessary, it's normal. It's as natural as taking a shit <laughs> I'm sorry, Bobby. I don't mean any offense, Sarah, but I'm going to need to need that to be more specific. I'm sorry that I said you're a bad person. I'm sorry that I came here to talk instead of listen. I'm sorry that I didn't understand how you must feel about mom but I get it now. Okay, thank you. Wow, I really went in, went on there for a minute, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I get that from mom. Oh God, she's gotta be so much worse now that she's old, right? 
Oh, don't answer that. I shouldn't have asked that. Bobby, I'm not going to say that I know how you feel, but I would love to be a part of your world again. I think I would fit in more than I do in mom's world. Something I think I can relate to is I've been thinking a lot lately that it's going to be a relief when she dies. It made me feel like shit when I thought that, but now I don't feel so bad. I think it'll be a relief to both of us and maybe that's okay. I'm glad I could help, but you're wrong. It's not a relief to me. It's nothing. Scene 10. Sarah, on her knees, speaks to someone who isn't there. I've been remembering some of the things you said to me before the end. Did I already say that? <laughs> a lot of things are falling into place in my head and making a different kind of sense than they did before. It's hard to remember how long ago things happened or what order they happened in. How much longer am I going to do this? How long are you going to wait? What is it like for you? Time must be kind of meaningless now, right? <laughs> or it just has a different meaning. I remember one of the first thoughts I had after I got the news was that maybe having cancer would make me feel closer to you. And maybe it has, but not in the way that I thought. And the more I try to talk to you, the more it just feels wrong. It's like those tense muscles are getting tighter instead of relaxed. The first night after I did chemotherapy, I got into bed and my muscles hurt a lot. Everything felt wrong. I wondered if the muscle pain was part of the chemo or if my body was just so angry with me for what I was doing to it. I had a disturbing dream that night. I think it was the same night. I was a little moth flying towards a distant light. No, I must have been a fish. I was flying or swimming towards this little light that got bigger and bigger. You know those angler fish that have a little glowing light bulb into their heads? Of course you do. They have just about the scariest, most demonic face that you could imagine. Is it better to see that face the moment before it swallows you? Or is it better to believe the entire time that you're just going peacefully into the light? Any, anyway, right before this demon claimed me, I realized I wasn't really me. I was you. And the face of the monster was familiar. I looked at it the same way you looked at me that day when you were suddenly scared of me. You said, why do you look like that? And I swam away. The scene shifts and Sarah is at her mother's house, sitting across from Carol. Sarah, do you know what God said to me this morning? Do you want to know? He told me something very important. He said, I should tell the doctor, no more chemotherapy. No, mom, I know it's hard, but you have to do what the doctor says. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to 
stop doing what the doctor says. God told me it is only making me feel worse. Mom, it's supposed to make you feel worse. The chemo is attacking your body because your body is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not going to feel better until after it feels very bad. It's the only way. It's not the only way, sweetie. I'm trying to tell you, it doesn't feel right. Your own body is the bad guy right now. It's not supposed to feel right. My body is not the problem, honey. I've lived with this body for longer than you've lived with anything. My problem is with that doctor. He's making me do this and it's making me feel just awful all the time. It's not to do. The doctor just wants what's best for you, mom. God wants what's best for me. He knows what's best for me. I thought you were listening to me, but you weren't really, I think. I have been listening, mom. I listen to you every time I come here. I listen and you talk and I listen and you talk. And every time I try to talk, you ignore me and say whatever you want to say. I just want to help you understand. Well, now I want you to understand me. You are not going to tell the doctor to stop your treatment just because that silly old man on television told you to. It wasn't the man from the television. I don't want you to die, mom. This morning, God said, God did not speak to you this morning. And he didn't tell you that James's dad should be on TV. And he didn't tell you, it's that sociopath megachurch evangelist monster that's gotten into your head. There are predators in the world, mom. And they scam old and insecure people like you. They know how to manipulate the religious nonsense that all of you were brought up with and that you tried to force into your kids and they lure you into feeding them. They're all lying to you. Everyone is lying to you. I tried to tell you. I knew it. As I knew it as soon as you said your brother's name before. You let him in. I love you, Sarah. I just wish you hadn't done this. I wish you hadn't let him in. Mom, I'm sorry. Mom, it's okay. I tried to tell you. I tried. I tried. You've all gone away from me. You don't listen to me. What's going to happen to you? It's okay. Don't worry about I don't, me. I don't know what's going to happen. That's okay, Mom. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I have to remember what he told me. Mom, please. He told me you were going to be okay. It's okay, Mom. I'm okay. He told me you were going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I don't understand. I'm going to be happy. You're going to be forgiven. That must be it. I don't understand it, but, but it's all going to happen the way it's supposed to. Even if I don't go to church? Yes, honey. Even if I talk to Bobby and I don't marry James or give you grandkids like you wanted? Yes, honey. You're all going to be fine. You have to go. 
It's okay. I have to go too. Everything's going to be just fine. Scene. Scene 10. The Heavenly Hop Brewery. James is alone behind the bar. Sarah enters. Hi. Hi. I think it's been more than eight days. Some matches take longer. Miss me? There are some things we should say to each other, I think. Even though we both know that already know? You've been seeing April. And so have you. We figured it out together when I started telling her about all my shitty relationships. Ours didn't used to be shitty until recently. Or maybe it was just one long, drawn-out shit. I wasn't keeping anything from you. You know that. About April? I know. Just a weird coincidence you met her online. I had no way to know you'd meet her at a cancer support group. Especially since I never told you I have cancer. There's that. I don't have an excuse. I don't plan to excuse you. I love you, James. I mean, I'll take it, whatever it is. It's kind of the least precise word we have, isn't it? I love you too. What do you mean when you say that? Just everything you tried to force me to say before. I didn't need you to say it like that. I know. You wanted me to say it with my... Dick? <laughs> There's probably a lot of reasons why that's hard for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my page just moved. There we go. Uh, yeah, for sure, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't try to get there. Get to where you want me to be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tried to force you. I was punishing you for no reason. You're not broken, but I tried to fix you by hurting you. Trying to control. It's okay. Remember who you've been hanging out with. Control, force, manipulate. They sound so sinister. But they're not. You're not. April's not. Well. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> so are you guys doing it yet? We're doing just fine, thank you. You know. I know what you mean. Don't worry about it. We're not worried about it either. It'll happen if it happens. What I really want to know is if you're as scared to kiss her as you were to kiss me. No. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I, it's hard not to take that personally, but I'll try. You get it though, right? Yeah. She used her Satan powers on you, no big. It helped. Good. We talked about you before she knew who you were and after 
Oh, good, I hope. <laughs> James approaches Sarah and takes her hand. What you doing there, James? You know what I'm doing. <laughs> Don't you got a lady friend there, James? A lady who taught me that if I want to feel the love that I've been craving, I have to do something about it. Oh, cra craving. Yum. James gets very close to kissing Sarah. Sarah pulls away the slightest bit. They don't kiss. And they look into each other's eyes and take a deep breath, holding hands. Wow. Sorry, I... That was intense. But we didn't do anything. Yeah, we did. One step at a time there, Sarah. <laughs> April's okay with? April's okay with a wide range of things, yes. <laughs> Satanists, always making their own rules. Sarah's phone rings. I should get that. Get it. I'll get it. April enters. Sarah and James break away from each other. Muted. Uh, don't let me stop you. I'll come. I'll come back. April. No, stay. Come here. Hi. <laughs> Hi. April and Sarah embrace. Then April and James embrace. Hi. Hi. It's good to see you together. Yeah, first time. I mean, first time all three of us, all three of us together. We haven't been together before. James puts a hand on Sarah's shoulder. Let's sit down, shall we? Give them sit at a table. Pause. I just want to say. Sarah's phone rings again. Oh, hang on. I'll come back to just a second. Sarah stands and steps away from the table to answer the phone. Bobby appears on the other end of the conversation. While Bobby talks to Sarah, he appears to be receiving text updates about the unfolding situation. Hi, Bobby. So wait, you can call people on Facebook? What year is it, am I right? <laughs> hey, so this is kind of a big deal. Do you want to sit down, take some breaths? This is, it's going to be a lot. Okay. Yeah, I can sit down. Are you breathing? Okay, this isn't helping. I'm getting more tense now. Just tell me. Your doctor went on vacation. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to keep talking. Your oncologist was on vacation and one of his patients came in to see him. You don't need to pause after every sentence, Bobby. I'm listening. She got seen by another doctor instead, and he found out she doesn't have cancer at all. I don't understand. Some of his colleagues have been gathering evidence, and it looks bad, Sarah. Your doctor is probably committing fraud. It looks like it's been going on for at least six years. I don't understand. There's a stage direction here that I need to delete. Bobby, what are you telling me right now? Are you sure you really have cancer? I, no, this is too much. I can't. I think this guy is some kind of monster, Sarah. He's been making himself rich by prescribing chemotherapy to people who aren't sick. My friend says the FBI has gotten involved. 
She's expecting him to be arrested by tomorrow. I'm not sick. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing so that you can take whatever steps you think you should take. Go see another doctor, get another opinion. Right, right. Are you okay? I gotta go. Yeah. I need to, wow. Um, I can't believe this. What happens? My doctor is a liar. He's been lying about my cancer. I don't have cancer. What? Are you sure? What doctor? I, he was my mom's doctor. She said she didn't want to do it. This means she was right. She was right. Okay. You're you're okay. I'm not sick. I don't have cancer, and my mom was right. I'm going to be okay. How? How did he do this? How did he get away with this? I just listened to him. I did what he told me to do. I did chemo. I attacked my body with chemo, and my mom. She told me she didn't want to do it anymore. Sarah sinks to the floor. April and James to her and hold her in a kneeling position. What am I supposed to do? You don't have to do anything. I can't. I can't believe this. Yes, Sarah. Yes, you can. You're right. I can. April, Sarah, and James all wrap their arms around each other lovingly, holding each other up. The scene shifts. James and April stay intertwined with Sarah. Sarah speaks to someone who is not there. I thought getting cancer would help me feel closer to you, but it didn't because I never had cancer. Did you? Were you just a typical cancer patient who happened to have a monster as her oncologist? Or did he swallow you up in his grand design? I'm never going to know. I'm never going to understand. You and I don't live in the same world anymore. And as much as I may fear saying this, thinking this makes me a monster. I'd rather be in this world than in yours. The scene shifts. Sarah is in her mother's house alone. She looks around. She starts packing up all of her mother's things. End of play. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, such good dialogue, man. Thank you. It's really, I really wish I'd read that last scene before I even started today because I forgot about that part. How could I have forgotten about that part? It's so huge. So what do you think would have changed? What are you thinking about that you would have done differently? She would have been more convicted. Like I know. Like, I know what I'm talking, I'm receiving the information that this is not what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. She would have been more of a fighter. Great. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm, uh, again, blown away. I, I really, like, I cried. Um, this was so, this was so great to watch. Thank you so much. Yeah, Vicky, really, I, I agree with every, what everyone is saying in the chat. Uh, 
that was so good. That was so good. Really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Great okay. chemistry. I have a question. Did you, ending it like that, it's such a big like thing right at the end. Yeah. Did you have a hard time letting that be the end? I, I thought, and I'm still considering having a scene um, with James and Sarah and April in April's garden to sort of reinforce that like three people holding each other up like the like the plants metaphor. But when I started to think about writing that scene, it just felt like it 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 does feel like the the shock at the ending is the right place to end it. And you get uh you get a small glimpse of Sarah saying that like I am okay. Um, um, of, of her saying like, I'm going to continue living in this world, um, without you, without religion and I'll be fine. Um, but I don't know, something about showing that felt like anticlimactic. It felt like, uh, I, I don't know entirely why, but it felt like that's not the way to end it. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, what else, what else would you like to say? Uh, I guess. Or would anyone like to say? Yeah, I want to hear other people's feedback. Uh, that's always helpful for me to hear. Um, and Shelly, do you have the ability to like, are people able to type things? Yeah, I think people can type onto the Facebook page and I can see that on my iPad, so. Anybody who wants to ask a question or make a statement, um, send it to the Facebook Live and Shelly can read it to us. Yeah, because I am not the only one commenting. Some other people have commented. Okay. Let me see. But let's, before we get to those, I wanna hear from y'all, from, from you actors. I think the addition of the scene between April and James worked really, really well. Yes, that's great to hear because you said you weren't sure if it would. Yeah. Yeah, I, I expressed concern that having one scene that didn't have Sarah in it might feel a little jarring to the audience, but it didn't. It, I think because it came right after the, the revelation of that Abby and Jim had been seeing each other, that it just felt natural for it to then flow into that scene. I was hoping you would say that exactly what I was thinking is that I heard your concern last time that like, this show is about Sarah, she's in every scene, and then you throw in a scene where she's not in, but only there's only that one scene that she's not in. Seems a little weird, but I felt way better about that when it's like, you get this revelation, and then this scene is like the answer to that moment. Um, and it's necessary, it feels needed. And uh, I also like that scene a lot. Uh, I wanna hear how, Will and, and uh, Abby felt about that scene since it was not in the original the last reading. Uh, I, I had only just read it last night and it felt so different to like have voices with it. The exchanges were much more loaded than I expected like obviously reading it out of the page like the the content itself is 
it is what it is, but certainly like putting voices to words and hearing the double meaning to things was delightful. And reading with Will was so, so fun. That was so much fun. Yeah, you know, I think that um, after the last reading, you know, that there was kind of like this desire to, at least on my part, to kind of like feel out that energy with with uh, April before kind of like that last scene. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That I was feel, sorry, go ahead. I, I personally feel like I got to understand Will's hesitation so much more, James's hesitation so much more um, in exploring that through that scene. Like so much of his exchanges with Sarah make, mm. make more sense to me now. Great. Which was the added scene? I'm trying to picture which one it was because it all felt like, oh, I, re I felt like I remembered most of which, which one? It was April and James on in, at April's house, like on a date. Oh, right, right. And they start like hitting each other, that one. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So Kelly that Joyce Fielder. Oh, Kelly Fielder. Hi, Kelly. Kelly Fielder says the anticipation that the three are going to get together and that we don't get the explicit conversation is really lovely. Mm. I'm imagining the creativity of the staging and the choices of a director bring forth the three plant metaphor. Okay. Can you comment on that for Kelly Joyce Fielder? Yeah. Say the last part about the, the three plant metaphor. I'm imagining the creativity of the staging and the choices of a director could really bring forth the three plant metaphor. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely, the, the, the three of them intertwined at the end is, I, I am just sort of like, here you go director, whoever directs this, like do something to show that this, these are the three plants intertwined and they're holding each other up just like, so yeah, I think, I think that's what Kelly is saying is that like, if, whatever the garden looks like when you see it on stage should be mirrored in the three of them at the end. Um, so yes, thank you for uh, noticing that. <laughs> I don't have any more questions, but I would like to, to ask like, how would you, have you thought about staging? Yes. I mean, it seems like it could be very simple, you know, it could, be so simple and such an intimate cast. It would be so good to do really small or big, small, small stage or big stage. I think either. Yeah. I mean, I, I direct shows sometimes. Uh, I'm not great with sets, so I don't have a whole lot of ideas for that. Um, like I, when I picture the brewery, honestly, I picture pointless and it's just because that's my like frame of reference. Um, what was that, Will? We said frame of reference at the same time. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but I, I'm sure that, that the way the brewery looks could be done in all kinds of different ways. Um, I feel like Robin has an experience. But I definitely, um, are you saying it's hard to see? Uh, uh, you sound a bit muddled. 
Okay. Does he sound muddled to y'all or no? Yeah. You sound a bit muddled, like quiet. Switch the microphone or, or if you can see him. Or just speak up a bit, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so there are a couple of things that I I didn't necessarily feel like making explicit, but would do if I was directing, like the table that the three of them sit down at at the end is should be the table that the, the circle was at at the beginning. We're trying to get Nathan to get to, to so we can hear him better. Sure. So thanks for your patience. Megan Cox was watching. Yay. And she just said it was beautiful. And then um, Kelly Fielder said one other thing about, um, oh, Michelle W. Michelle W. Nice. Can we talk through why you decided that the cancer wasn't real? What do you want that revel revelation to bring to the meaning of the show? So, uh, am I sounding any better? Yes, 100%. So, um, here's the thing I, I mentioned at the beginning, which is, the inspiration for this show um, was that I heard a true story about a doctor in Michigan who did the thing that the doctor does in this play. He, I mean, I don't know how it works, how he got rich, but somehow it was, it was financially beneficial for him to give chemotherapy to a bunch of people who didn't have cancer. And when I heard that story, I was, there was something very viscerally uh, shocking about the fact that someone could do something so horrible. Um, you have probably noticed that the theme of like a monster comes up a lot in the yeah. play. And that's like, that's something that I think about is like, what makes, what can a person do to be, to, for them to be like actually a monster. Um, and honestly, my answer to that is that everyone gets to decide who the monsters are and, and remove them from their lives. But someone like that, that doctor is, I, I think I could say almost universally a monster. And so hearing yeah. that- Can you guys hear Nathan okay? I feel like he's broke. Okay, go ahead. It's so my side, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, Lindsay, could you mute yourself too? Having everyone else be muted is usually helps. Um, so having heard that story, I, uh, I just, I thought about, I've been wanting to write plays forever and I thought I could write a play about this happening to somebody. Um, and a lot of things sort of came to me at once and the play got built around that. So to answer Michelle's question, it wasn't, I was not writing a story about cancer and then decided that the cancer wasn't going to be real. I wrote a story about uh, someone who was lied to about having cancer. Um, so I, yeah, that is, that is my long answer. Yeah. As far as the impact of that and like uh, yeah. what, what that, that, that is the message of your play. Yeah. The, the, the play, and another an, another reason why it's um, I don't feel like it's he heavily inspired by my mom having cancer is that 
the play doesn't go into what it's like to have cancer or what it's like to have a loved one have can has cancer very much it does it's that's in there but it's not really the things that are explored in the play um but yeah uh it's it's just this the major themes are all i think pretty much connected to that one story yeah i also think there's that whole conversation about belief and you know if you believe you're sick you believe something's wrong with your body and what does that mean can you heal yourself and so she's walking around believing she has cancer yeah for a while and that faith and what's real and what's not is that's a mind fuck too i mean that's <laughs> like what what you believe and what's real and how it affects you if you're walking around day to day believing in god not believing in god believing in cancer not believing in cancer like what all of that is i was thinking about all of that tying back in to the first support group meeting yeah the support group meeting was the first scene that i wrote and uh i interest this is this is kind of interesting i wrote that scene and i didn't know who the main characters were yet i just picked some character i, I said i'm gonna have like four or five people here and they're gonna start saying different things and uh like april's whole thing is like I want to write about stuff like the law of attraction and like, uh, you know, believing your reality into existence because that's the kind of stuff that I've always tried to write about. And it's always been a little too esoteric or preachy or uh, not believable and not grounded. The stuff that I like to write about is not usually very grounded. And having this real thing that happened in real life but also is like terrifying and connects with a lot of um more uh bigger picture things was the key to writing something that i actually feel really good about so i got a couple of comments so kelly says um how makes it for the cancer to be alive and for Carol's opening scene to have her say that line, you don't know when you're being deceived. You don't know when you're being deceived. See, damn it, I should have known that when I said that line. <laughs> but then Michael Corliss says, dad. Dad? Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Um, I was impressed that the revelation did not feel like a happy ending. The reaction was more to the lie. It wasn't like, Oh my gosh. Everything's okay. I mean, you know, it's it's a very it would be a very interesting thing to watch actors grapple with is how to react to that. That I'm maybe I don't have cancer, but also I've been lied to. Yeah. It's such it would be such an interesting thing for any actor to grapple with. Yeah. Um and I mean Vicky really like really i i something told me that that you would be really great at this and you you were um yeah uh yeah i don't i don't really have any much more to say but yes <laughs> michelle oh, i appreciate it thanks oh i'm sorry i was gonna read you one more comment from michelle yeah she says knowing that so when you answered michelle's question earlier it was about why it was a lie. 
Um, Oh, she's popping off. But anyway, she said, I personally would have liked more time with Sarah after she knows about the lie and how that affects her and her relationships. Yeah. Which is interesting because I, I was thinking I, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. I felt like that was the end too. Like at first I thought, well, now we need to see what happened after that, but that would have opened too many other avenues to it. That would have made it feel unfinished. If you'd have added another, yeah, because then, because then this, uh, keep going <clears throat> to continue the the poop metaphor that you probably picked up. At, <laughs> this is sort of a pinching off point, uh, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> but it is like like I I I feel so weird, but also proud of the shit metaphors. Uh, the really just the one like if just just to be clear about the shit metaphor, plot plot. Um, uh, it's the it's the idea of cutting something out of your life um it's the idea of this there's something that is utterly useless to me and i'm getting rid of it completely that's what you do when you shit and um it and it's it's like you know shit is fertilizer it's useful in other places but it's not like but you are definitely done with it for sure um so it's not when I when I use the shit metaphor to say that like someone is removing something from their life it's not it's meant to be not a judgment on this thing is unequivocally bad it's just that I am definitely done with this um and honestly that's kind of how I feel about the end of the play is like there's there's plenty more in these people's lives um yeah as like Kelly said they're pro there's probably like they're gonna have a three-way relationship like uh like april always wanted and all this stuff but we are done we are done with seeing this story <laughs> and weeds too like i was thinking like weeding like this is for me this is not for me and that <clears throat> metaphor metaphors abounding in this like yeah um bye robbie, bye, robbie. thanks so much that monologue was killer. I bought every freaking second of it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So yeah, so now that people are starting to, to pop off, I just wanna say um, thanks so much um, for everyone for doing this and for listening. And it's so good, Nathan. I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. I really can't wait to see it staged, you know? Someday. We'll wrap up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Reads and Weeds. I love it when we do this. If you're listening, please, you know, follow me on Instagram, listen to the podcast, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Send me books you think I should read. Um, tell me where you're listening from. Tell me how you found us. Tell us what you think of the play and, um, and we'll hopefully do it again. Maybe you'll be on here. Bye, everybody.